what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a snake, and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake, and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. This morning, we're going to talk about that question that God asked Moses, what is in your hand? Have you ever seen a burning bush that burned? What was not burned up? For me, it was a splashing well. I was 14 years old. My dad was preaching what, in our tradition, we called a revival meeting in a local church in New Boston, Ohio. And uh, all that week, God was dealing with me about something, but I just could not figure it out. Now, in that tradition, uh, people are invited to come forward and kneel at the altar rail and do business with God. So I had gone forward two or three times during that meeting at the close of the service. I guess the folks figured, well, we've got a professional preacher and he's brought his own professional seeker. I don't know. But you know, when you're 14 years old, you have enough issues going on in your life. And I had confessed everything I knew. I confessed some things I knew about my sister. I confessed some things I knew about other people. I probably even confessed some things that I might do sometime in the future. I didn't know, but I just wasn't getting anywhere. On the last night of that meeting, I went forward again. And as we were praying, I think people got weary of praying with me. I remember as I was kneeling there, my dad was kneeling on my right side praying with me. I think even my mom got tired of praying, and she she got up and left. (laughs) Our friend Ray was the organist in that little church, and Ray had been playing the organ, soft music, you know. He stopped, got off the organ bench, came down and knelt beside me on my left side, put his arm around my shoulder, and spoke into my left ear, Danny, Is God calling you to preach? And my response was, no. No. (laughs) That couldn't be it. No, no, no. I'm I'm way too shy. No, that's not it. Uh Uh-uh. And Ray says, just say yes to him from the bottom of your heart. I'm a visual person, okay? So immediately when he said that, I had this image of my grandpa's well in my mind. Now, we weren't supposed to do this, but, but we loved to take the bucket that was hooked to the rope, that was hooked to the crank, you know, and throw it as hard as we could down into that well. Watch that old crank just spinning. You could look down in the well 
And you could see the reflection of the sky way down there in that dark water. And when the bucket would hit the water, the sky would explode. And I had the image of that yes tumbling to the bottom of my heart. And when it hit the bottom, I had what the Apostle Paul calls the witness of the Spirit. That yes, indeed, God was calling me to preach. That was a defining moment in my life. It was a moment that set the course for the rest of my life. The struggle I experienced in that moment prior to saying yes was not, am I willing? It was, am I able? And of course, the embarrassing reality is that the answer to that question after more than 50 years is still no. It's the struggle we see in Moses at the divine moment of encounter. And as he takes an inventory of who he is and what God is asking him to do, I can't do it. The conversation develops. We understand Moses' response. Here am I. Send Aaron. The call of God on a person's life is one of the most puzzling things for the natural mind to try to understand and comprehend. I can't explain it to you. You just know. Sometimes I say it's kind of like being in love. You can't explain it, but you just know. You know if you are, you know if you're not. You just know. For an analytical mind, that's way too little to go on. But that's the way it is. This is a faith venture. And when you say yes to God, you receive a peace that passes human understanding. So here's the deal. All are called. All are called to salvation through the grace of God and the work of Jesus on the cross and through his resurrection and by the life-giving work of the Holy Spirit, we are all called into this saving relationship with God. And beyond that, all are called to what the church calls sanctification. That's a big old uh, religious term. But what it means is everyone who receives the gift of salvation enters into an ongoing relationship with God where, in response to our obedience and trust, He does an ongoing, continuing work in our lives that over time makes us more and more like Christ and less and less like the person we used to be. The New Testament term for that is growing in grace. But beyond that, we're not, all, we're not just called to be saved and to be sanctified. 
we're called to service. All of us. Some are called to a specific vocational calling, like I just described that I experienced at age 14, where they are set apart by God and to spend and be spent in His work, placing themselves under authority, glorifying Him in a specific place and in a specific way with a specific assignment, and so advancing the kingdom by living the life, preaching the word, sharing the sacraments, and helping people come to know Him and grow to be like Him. And the rest of us are called to do that same kind of thing except from the context of our God-directed life and vocation in a less specific way, but no less authentic and sacrificial way. So in view of our calling, we're all called. I want us to explore this experience of Moses as we allow God to raise our awareness this morning that he is calling us, every one of us. So there are two things that I want to point out about this. The first is this. If God is calling us, all of us, that means that God calls all kinds of people. None of us is the same. We're all different. And he has a specific calling, a specific purpose for every one of our lives. Do you remember Moses' story? His people, the Israelites, had ended up in Egypt because a famine forced them to flee from their land, the land that God had given them. And, and this uh, rescue effort was engineered by Joseph, one of them. And, he, and they prospered greatly in the land. And they multiplied into a large nation within a nation. And they were a great blessing. The Bible says, then, there arose a Pharaoh who knew not Joseph, a leader who was unsettled by this group of immigrant people who carried their own name, held to their own allegiances, and worshipped their own God. So out of fear, he began to place restrictions on them. Then he began to oppress them. And finally, to enslave them. Eventually, he issued an order that would eradicate them. Kill all the male babies that are born to them as soon as they are born. And it was into this circumstance that Moses was born. You know the ingenious story of his mom and his sister in the floating basket and Pharaoh's daughter, how his own mother was hired to be his nanny. So along with receiving the best Egypt had to offer, being raised as Pharaoh's grandson, he also received a secret but thorough training in the wisdom of God and the ways of his people. He grew up to see himself a likely leader 
He received education and training in all things Egyptian and all things royalty. But he also had this people of Israel training running in the background. His divided loyalties were put to the test one day when he saw an Israelite being mistreated by an Egyptian. He stepped in to intercede, accidentally ended up killing the Egyptian oppressor. He tried to hide his body, but it all came crashing down on him. At 40, he finds himself fleeing Egypt, running for his life, heading for the desert, ending up living in exile, and for the next 40 years, he lives this way Instead of leading in Egypt or leading the people of God, he's leading sheep from watering hole to watering hole to watering hole in a desert where there aren't that many watering holes. He doesn't know it, but he's being prepared by God for phase three of his life. If you're a student and you're not going to get your degree completed in four years, take heart. It probably won't take you 40 years to get it done. Stick with it. Have you ever heard the statement, God never wastes a hurt? I honestly believe that God will redeem every hurtful experience in your life. And if you will let him... He will use that to be a blessing in someone else's life. But you have to go through the hurtful experience. In this passage of Scripture, we find him no longer as the likely leader or the self-appointed leader. He's now, in his mind, the most unlikely of leaders. And so this burning bush thing just interrupts his day. I think I'll go over and see why this bush that's burning is not burning up. Listen to the conversation and take hope for your inadequacies today. Chapter 3, verse 11. I'm not the one, Lord. I am. Chapter 3, verse 13. I'm not convincing enough, Lord. I am. Chapter 4, verse 1, I'm not a person with credibility, Lord. I am. Chapter 4, verse 10, I'm just not good enough with words, Lord. I am. And a, a verse we didn't read, but it's the, we get right to the crux of the issue. Verse 13 of chapter 4, I'm just not willing to do this, Lord. I know. The pendulum has swung. He's gone from being a self-assured guy who thought he could whip the whole world to being a guy who thought he and the Lord were about to get themselves in a whole pile of trouble. Did you notice the test? Have you ever noticed God's sense of humor in stuff? Show me, show me a sign. Okay. All right, the sign will be that after you lead the people of Israel, 
Out of Egypt you'll worship me on this mountain. Hey, wait a minute now. I need a little more than that. I need an upfront sign. Let's do a self-check here this morning. Where are you on this scale in your conversations with God about his purpose for your life? Do you find yourself being self-confident or confident in the strength and goodness of God? Do you find yourself relying in your self-assurance or are you living in the full assurance of your faith? Do you find yourself being self-defeated? Or are you trusting in Almighty God, your Heavenly Father? God calls all kinds of people, and you're one of them. And He calls you to go right out there on the limb with Him because that's where He's going. If you follow Jesus, you're going to follow Him to the ends of the earth because that's where He's going. So you're called to salvation through His grace and mercy. You're called to sanctification as He conforms your character to His. You are also called to service, to be used by Him in the lives of other people. So the second observation I have this morning is, not only that God calls all kinds of people, but God challenges those He calls in all kinds of ways. And one of the most important and most telling ways that he will challenge us is he will challenge us through the measure of our trust. Ultimately, our response to his challenge comes down to one thing. Do we trust him? From our perspective, we need strength, Knowledge, credibility, killer good looks, popularity, eloquence, confidence, and a surefire winning strategy to get this done. From God's perspective, he's, His calling on our life is carried out in His strength, His credibility, His drawing power, His anointing, His integrity, His might, his wisdom and knowledge. And unfortunately, he doesn't always give everybody the killer good looks. So, Did you notice that God did not ask Moses if he was able? He asked him in so many words if he was available. So do you trust him? I find myself in these kind of situations saying, Lord, I don't know if I can do this or not. Or am I actually saying, Lord, I don't know if you can do this or not. Or even more subtly, Lord, I know you can do it, but will you do it? Can I trust you? Moses was stuck in the dry, arid desert of his existence as long as he distrusted God's goodness. You going to leave me hanging here? As long as he distrusted God's power. You going to get me killed here? 
as long as he distrusted God's wisdom. Do you know what you're doing here? Moses' distrust would lead to disobedience, which would lead him deeper and deeper into a desert of spiritual death, not to mention the impact on those poor people in slavery in Egypt. You might say, well, God can always call somebody else, right? I love E.V. Hill's explanation of how crucial this burning bush experience was. For Moses, for God's people, and frankly, ultimately, for you and me as we sit here today. E.V. Hill says, There ain't no plan B. You're it. So the challenge of our faith gets kind of personal, doesn't it? What was the one visible sign that Moses had left in his whole life to identify who he was? The opulence of Pharaoh's house was gone. All the signs of his royal standing, the luxurious surroundings, the rings, the crowns, whatever it was, that he used to have in his life that helped people understand who he was just by looking at him, they were all gone. All he had now was a skinny old stick of wood he used for a staff. And everyone who saw him saw the staff and knew he was a shepherd. It was the only tool he had in his toolbox. It was his only claim to fame. It was all he had left. And God asked him to throw it down. Turn it loose. Let it go. If you desire to be saved by God, to be transformed in your character by him, and to serve him, You'll have to surrender the things that bring you security. He's going to hold out his hand and ask you to give that to him. For some of us, it's going to be our money. For some of us, it's going to be our job. For some of us, it's going to be a relationship. For some of us, it's going to be something that has had a hold on us And won't let go, and we won't let go of it. For some of us, it's going to be a future dream. For some of us, it's going to be a dark past. I just want you to know this. I cannot guarantee it. But in my experience, I have learned, more often than not, when we surrender to God the things that we hold to most tightly and the things that we love the most, he has a beautiful way of turning around and handing that back to us in a way we never dreamed was possible. You see, it's not the things in our lives that he wants.
It's us that he wants. It's our heart. When Moses surrendered his shepherd's rod to God, the rod of Moses became the rod of God. When you make this level of surrender to God, there, were, there are things that will happen in you and through you that will amaze you and the people around you. But there are things that will never happen until we fully surrender who we are and what we have. That's the story of Moses. Back a couple of decades ago, there was a Christian song by Ken Metema, a Christian artist, that goes like this. Old Moses, way back there in the wilderness, saw some smoke, came to the bush, but the bush, and the bush was burning. God said, take off your shoes, Moses. You're on holy ground, Moses. I've chosen you to be my man, Moses, way down in Egypt land, Moses. I've chosen you to work for me, Moses. I've chosen you to set my people free. Not me, Lord. Don't you know I can't talk so good? I stutter all the time. Do you know my brother Aaron? He can sing like an angel. He can talk like a preacher. Not me, Lord. I can't talk so good. And another thing, how will they know I've been here with you? How will they know what you've sent me to do? Don't you know in Egypt they want little Moses' head? Don't you know in Egypt they want little Moses dead? Don't you know they'll never hear a single word I say? Maybe you'd better get your dirty work done another way. Not me, Lord. What's that in your hand, Moses? It's just a rod. Throw it down, Moses. Do you mean like on the ground? Yes, I said, throw it down, Moses. Lord, don't take my rod away from me. Don't you know it's my only security? Don't you know when you live out here all alone, a man's got to have something he can call his own? Not me, Lord. Throw it down, Moses. But, Lord, throw it down, Moses. But, throw it down, Moses. Moses threw the rod on the ground, and the rod became a hissing snake. Well, Moses started running. Maybe you'd run. I know I'd run. He was running from a hot rod. Running from a hissing snake. Running scared of what God's going to do. Running scared he'll get a hold of you. And the Lord said, stop. Pick it up, Moses. By the tail. Lord, you've not lived here very long. Lord, you've got this whole thing wrong. Don't you know that you never pick up a hissing snake by his, pick it up, Moses. Oh, Lord, it's a rod again. Do you know what that means, Moses? 
You know what I'm trying to say, Moses? The rod of Moses became the rod of God. With the rod of God, strike the rock, and the water will come. With the rod of God, part the waters of the sea. With the rod of God, you can strike old Pharaoh dead. With the rod of God, you can set the people free. So what do you hold in your hand today? To what or to whom are you bound? Are you willing to give it to God right now? Give it up. Let it go. Throw it down.